0: As we come to the Word of God this morning, we take a look at Exodus chapter 3. I want to begin just with the last couple of verses of Exodus chapter 2 this morning. It says, During those days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning... And yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great side. Why, the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place that you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who were in Egypt and heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good land that is broad land a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression of which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. May the Lord bless that and use that in our lives this morning. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 this morning. Do you have a favorite story? Do you have a favorite go-to story that you know that when you tell this story, whether it's at a party or amongst friends, that people will lean in and listen? You, you just know over the course of time, this was an amazing thing that happened in my life, and people love to hear that story. I have a, a handful of those stories. Uh, I'm not going to tell you all of them in case I need it in a sermon later, uh, but there was a time that monkeys stole my lunch when I went to the zoo. Uh, they claimed over the embankment and... and Crawled and grabbed the food out of the bag that my mom uh, had packed. It was a great story. The monkey story is a good story. There is the time that I ran through the streets of Baton Rouge holding another man's hand. That's a whole other story that you'll hear about uh, one day. There was a story from just this week. Uh, that Susan and I had to make a quick run over to Florida and back. Uh, The traffic was absolutely insane. Uh, the, The traffic through the tunnel in Mobile was backed up. It was stopped, so we took a detour to get out of there. We're on Google Maps, and we're trying to find our way through this detour, and Susan tells me that the road is right in front of us, and I said, baby, there is no road there. And she says, it's right there in front of us. I said, I'm looking. There is no road there. Turns out there's a second tunnel and it's underground, but there was no road there. I'm like, I'm staring right there. There's no road. And she says it's right there. I'm like, I'm looking at the it's great stories. Moses can top your story. Moses can top your story because he's going to tell you the story about the time that he was out wandering in the wilderness and there was this bush over in the distance. And it was on fire. No big deal. Bushes burn in the wilderness all of the time. He says, but I watched it, and I watched it. I had nothing else to do. I was just watching the sheep. The sheep were taking a nap. There was nothing else going on. And so I watched, and I watched. And the fire would not consume the bush, and the bush kept burning and burning. And so I walked over there, and then I had a conversation with the bush. And then I found out that the person that I was talking to in the bush Was God and not only did I see a bush that did not get consumed but I went over and had a conversation with the bush and not only did I have a conversation with the bush but the person that I talked to with the bush was God but he told me that I was supposed to go to Egypt and free the nation now that's quite a story hey in fact it's a story that Moses was gonna have to tell several more times and people, I think several times when they would hear the stories, and said, Moses, back up one more time. You were doing what? What did you see? Who did you have a conversation with? And what did they say? it's a pretty big event in Moses' life. And in fact, it is one of the great events that we find in all of Scripture. But what I want you to know is that this is not just a story from Moses because what this does is this displays the character of God. And that same character of God that was the story of Moses in that moment as he spoke to the bush is the same character of God that exists in our lives today. And so your story may not be the same thing as Moses, but I want you to know that that same God works with us in the same way that he worked with Moses. And so what I want you to do is I want you to see some things that happened in Moses' life, that God did in Moses' life, that I believe that he still does in our lives today. And so let's dig into the passage of Scripture this morning. The first thing that I want you to know, and this is really important, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. No matter how far off the beaten path you may feel that you are today, God has not forgotten you. No matter how long it has felt as though God was at work and stirring and moving and doing great things in your life, God has not forgotten you. No matter how hard the circumstances are that you may be working through and carrying in this moment, God has not forgotten you. I want you to think, about Moses this morning and again Moses' life is lived in forty year blocks. Forty years takes a while. Until all of a sudden you turn forty and you're like, Wow, that didn't take long at all. But for the most part, forty year blocks take a while. And so we saw Moses in, in, in the in the in the little basket there in the river and, and and then forty years later he has this incident that makes him run away. And now we are another forty years where Moses has been wandering the wilderness, taking care of some sheep. You have time to think out there. You have time to remember out there. I just think of Moses as he packed hurriedly and left Egypt, wearing wearing some royal robe. He probably didn't hit another Walmart between where he was and Midian. It could be that 40 years later, he's still wearing those same robes. But they don't feel royal anymore. They've got the dust of the wilderness. They've got the wear and tear of 40 years. And there are some ways in Moses' life that he is satisfied. He's married, he has, he has kids, he has a family where he's been received and he's been accepted. But sometimes he'll look at the inside of his cloak and there it says, made in Egypt of the royal house. And he just kind of looks around. Well, that didn't go the way I thought it was. And it would not take much for him to say, God has forgotten me. But then there's that voice that says, Moses, Moses. I want you to think about how discouraged Moses could have been again. There were parts of his life that were okay. He was married, he's got kids, he's got a family. But I don't know if there's too much into this, but Forty years later, he is taking care of his father-in-law's flock. It's not even his. Forty years later, he doesn't even have his own flock of sheep. He's taking care of somebody else's animals. You know, it is interesting that some of the most important leaders and some of the most important characters in all of Scripture our shepherds. We see Moses as a shepherd. We see David as a shepherd. We see that when the announcement of Jesus' birth is made, it goes to the shepherds. And when Jesus describes his own life, even though that he was the son of a carpenter, he often talks about the fact that he is the good shepherd. You see, there's something about shepherding that makes good leaders. In fact, I think there's something about shepherding that makes very, very good leaders, and the reason for that is that if you want to be a leader, there are few things that you can do that are better than spending your life taking care of the needs of others. Particularly, people who can't take care of themselves, particularly people that have almost nothing to offer you. Moses wasn't going to get any of these sheep to vote for him as leader. They were sheep. You know the stories of sheep. They, They had almost nothing to bring other than lunch, if you know what I mean. There was nothing that they had to offer. But shepherds, whether it's David, whether it's Moses, whether it's the shepherds in the field, they've just spent their life caring for those who are vulnerable I think we grow and we become leaders in that way now if you want to be a leader I don't think that you need to spend a whole lot of time worrying about becoming a leader You see, becoming a leader is a lot like just growing if you spend time staring at yourself in the mirror just so that you can watch yourself grow it's, it's not really going to happen. Growth happens while you're out doing life. Becoming a leader isn't so much that we stand in front of the mirror and say, I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader. No, becoming a leader is what happens when you're out doing other things. And the path of a shepherd that simply takes care of others who are in need And have nothing that they can offer to you is the path that God most often uses to build up leaders I I love what God does with those shepherds but if we come back to one of the most interesting parts of the story is the bush The, the, the bush That is not consumed, the bush that is on fire, the bush that Moses crosses over his section of the wilderness to come and see. And you need to know, you know what you need to know about the bush? Absolutely nothing. The bush has no theological significance at all. The bush is just what God used to get Moses' attention. It could have been anything. But in the wilderness, it was a choice of like three different things, and two of them were bushes. Uh, there, There wasn't much else out there. But God took something that was in front of Moses, did something different in that place, and said, pay attention. I need to get your attention. The bush is great, but it could have been anything. It is what God used to get Moses' attention. But think about it. God used the bush to get Moses' attention. God was interesting in getting Moses' attention. This is where I say the character of God is unchanged. Because I would tell you that God is using some of the things that are around you in this day, in this hour, to get your attention. It is highly unlikely that it's going to be a bush in your backyard that won't go out. Although if that happens this afternoon, particularly in the rain, you should pay attention. But is it possible that there's something that's out of place in your life? Something that's a little odd, something that's not the way that it's supposed to be, something that just seems to catch your attention, that you're just saying, oh, I don't have time for that, I don't want to deal with that, and that, that that's just odd, that's out of order, that's out of place. And sometimes we, we, we try to push those things out of the way so that we can get to the normal. And God have got to say, no, well, pay attention to what is not normal because that's what I'm trying to use to get your attention because God has not Forgotten about you. And he may be calling out your name in the strangest place because he hasn't forgotten about you. At the same time, I want you to know that God calls for our undivided attention. God calls for our undivided uh, attention. Uh, do you notice the tension in this passage? There is the bush. There is the voice and there is the warning. The the, the bush is on fire. It has caught Moses' attention. Moses goes over to the bush and the bush starts talking to him by name. Moses, Moses. It's an incredible invitation. We find out that that voice is the very voice of God. God is talking to Moses. God has called Moses across the wilderness. Come see me. Come talk to me. And at the same time, he says, stop. Don't come near. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. It is though in this very passage, you have God doing this. That's not going to work well on the audio today, but it's a mixed message. Come, stop, come, stop, come, stop. God, what do you want from me? Well, both of these things are true. You see, I don't think that there's hardly anyone that has had the story of Moses that had the experience of knowing the invitation of God where God spoke to him out of a bush. God calls him up the mountain. God reveals himself to Moses. God gives Moses incredible access to the presence of God. And at the same time, God says, Don't forget who I am and the awesomeness of God there's this incredible tension for us to try to understand about God there's this incredible tension that I carry as a preacher of the Word of God because I, I must find a way to simultaneously tell you that God is inviting that God is calling us but at the same time for you to understand God is completely other than anything we've experienced. In fact, we see this in the passage here this morning. We see this otherness of God, this awesomeness of God. When, when God says, don't, don't come closer, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. By the way, this is only the second time the word holy appears in all of Scripture. It's a, it's a fresh word in the Word of God. He says, don't come any closer, because I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. One of those things that he's saying there is he's talking about the fact that he is the eternal God. All of the things that you have heard from history, that was God all of the things that are part of the backstory of your life, that was God. And that same God from back then is speaking to you right now. That's, that's a pretty different thing. In fact, in the passage that we'll look at next week, we come across the most sacred name for God. And we have a hard time translating it for several different reasons. One of them is because the, the Hebrew people considered it to be such a sacred name that they never added vowels to it because they never wanted to say it out loud. It was that sacred of a name. The other reason why it's difficult for us to understand it is because grammatically... We have a hard time coming up. We hear people say that it says the I am, but really it is the I am being, the thing that I am being, because basically it is grammatically trying to say that God is yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that He is all of these things. And we struggle to even know how to process that because we've never experienced anything that is that way, and that's what makes the ground holy. Because you are speaking to someone that is unlike anything that you have ever spoken to before. He's also completely different and awesome. Because he's going to show up. In fact, we saw the verses just before chapter 3 where he says, God saw and God heard and God knew. And so now Moses is standing before God and God says, I saw, I heard, I knew. And now he says, And I have come down to rescue my people. He is completely other. And now he is coming down. You see, God is the God of the invitation and the God of the otherness. How do we do that? Well, we come and we take off our sandals because God is not like anything else that we've ever experienced there's always more than we understand I had a strange experience after the storm we had insurance people inspecting all of the building and we were checking every nook and cranny of the building to make sure that we had not missed any damage that had occurred our church isn't that big but there are still some nooks and crannies, some corners that I've never been in. And over in the gym, there's this red door. And I'm sure that the red door was a broom closet. I assume that I didn't have a key for that. I didn't need a key for that. It didn't really matter. It's just a little broom closet. You open that door, it's probably about three and a half feet deep. There's a, there's a broom, there's a mop, a bucket, and, and maybe some other junk that's been on the floor there just needs to be taken care of. And so as we were walking through, and I don't remember who was in charge of walking the building, they opened the door. It's not a closet. It's a stairwell that goes upstairs to rooms that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> I think sometimes we think of God being kind of a, a mop closet God. That we say, Oh, well, I assume that it's just there and it's about this much. The more we get to know God, we open that door and we understand there's a whole stairwell. There's whole spaces. There's whole things that we have not even begun to understand. And so I wanted you to know that God invites you. But I also want us to never forget that God is always bigger than we've ever imagined. And that requires us to treat Him differently than we treat anything else in our lives. I don't know where you are today, but probably most of us, on this balance between the invitation of God and the awesomeness of God, probably most of us by personality lean hard toward one of those. Some of us have spent so much time thinking about the awesomeness of God, it's impossible for us to imagine the fact that He invited us. And listen, I want you to think about the awesomeness of God. But I don't want you to miss that that God calls us by name. And if you're on the side of that balance, that you spend a lot of time thinking about the closeness and the fact that God intimately seeks after us and He calls us by name, I don't want you to miss any of that. But I don't want you to miss out on that awesomeness awesomeness and greatness of God. So whichever side of that scale you're on, spend some time this week and the rest of your life thinking about that other side of that scale. The one who invites is awesome. The one who is awesome invites. Hear both of those truths. As we continue this morning, I want you to know that God is has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you. In fact, it's been quite a journey for Moses. <laughs> He's wandering the wilderness, taking care of his father in law's flock. There's a bush, it doesn't consume. He walks over, he has a conversation. God says, This is God. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I'm coming down to rescue the people. Big deal. And then he says, Come. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. We're going to see that Moses struggles with this instruction. We're going to see that mentally his mind has a hard time letting go of the wilderness that he's been wandering in. And he can't picture himself walking back into Pharaoh's courts. Or maybe he can picture himself. Maybe he wakes up in the middle of the night with nightmares about being back in that place again. But when God says, I've come to rescue the people, Moses says, great, I'll be right here. I'll meet them here. (laughs) No, 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 no. Moses, you're the means. You're the process. You're going back to Pharaoh's court. And I'm going to do this through you. God had a plan for Moses, but I want you to know that God has a plan for you. Now, I don't know this for sure. It may not be that you're supposed to rescue an entire nation from slavery. I don't want to take anything off the table. I don't want to limit God and what he can do. It may not be that you're supposed to rescue an entire nation from slavery. That doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan and a work and a role and a place for your life. I know that he's called you to do good. I know that he's caused you to bring light and kindness into this world. I know that he's called on you to tell others about him and introduce people to him. I know that he has that plan for you. I also know that before he has any of those plans for you, he has a plan for you to be rescued before you can be a rescuer. You see, every person who has ever drawn breath has had their life broken and bogged down by sin and rebellion. Every single person who has ever lived outside of Jesus himself And that sin and that rebellion separates us from God. And what he desires, his plan for you, is to break that bondage, to break that brokenness, to heal and to restore your life. Now when God told Moses his plan, Moses says, it's impossible, I can't do it right here in the text. God says, that's okay. I will be with you. I will be the one that really does it. And so when we talk about the rescue of your life from sin and brokenness, you you may say, I cannot do it. It's okay. It is Jesus that does it in your life. It's not really you. It's you allowing Jesus to do that inside of your life. Because he has a plan for you, and that is to rescue, to heal you, to restore you, to forgive you. We haven't gotten to my favorite part of the passage yet. It's where Moses says, here I am. Here I am. Moses, Moses, Moses. Here I am. I want you to know that that sentence is an incredible sentence in the Word of God. Moses speaks it here. Abraham speaks it in chapter 15. Jacob speaks it a couple times in Genesis. Samuel uh, speaks it. Isaiah speaks it. Ananias, who who is about to to bring healing to Saul's life, uh, speaks it. Here I am. What it means is, God, I'm here. I'm completely available to you. And I'm ready for what you want to do in my life next. For Moses, for Samuel, for Isaiah, for so many of those folks, it was a pretty big deal. But it is one of the greatest sentences that we can ever speak. Here I am. There's one other place that we kind of come across this, and this is in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and I sin, God comes to the garden to be with them, and they are hiding. And God says to them, Where are you? Those are really the two different responses, aren't there? When it comes to what God's plan for our life, to rescue, to restore, to heal, to forgive, there's really two different ways to respond. The offer is there to your life. And we'll either be hiding, and God will call out to us and say, where are you? The rescue, the healing, the forgiveness... The restoration is here. Where are you? And as long as we are hiding, we will miss it. Or we can say, like Abraham and Jacob and Moses and Samuel and Isaiah and Ananias, we can say, here I am. Here I am. I'm ready for whatever it is that you want to do in my life. Here I am. It's a pretty simple response this morning. What does this mean for our life? Well, it means that God has not forgotten you. God calls for our undivided attention. God has a plan for you. And he will either be saying to you this morning, where are you? Why are you hiding? Or you will say to him, here I am. Here I am. I I receive your forgiveness, your healing, your restoration. God, I'm ready for you to use me in the next way in the next season of my life. Here I am. So as we pray in just a moment, if your life needs that forgiveness, that receiving of His forever forgiveness, then I'd love to pray for you this morning and pray with you as you say yes to Him and say, here I am. But maybe you just need to stand before Him and say, here I am. Whatever it is you want to do next in my life, here I am. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, man, it's so good to know that the God of these moments in the wilderness is the same God that is here today. The same God that seeks to get our attention continues to seek to get our attention. The same God that had a plan for Moses has a plan for each person in this room. The same God who has come down to provide rescue for Israel is the same God who has come to provide rescue for each person in this room. And so Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we respond. Lord, I pray that we would not hear the words echo, where are you? Why are you hiding? But instead we'd say, here I am. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you stand and respond? If you need to say yes to Jesus, the rescuer of life in a way that you've never said before, would you come and we can pray for you? If there's another thing in your life that you just need prayer for, Caleb and I are here to pray for you.